0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Appalachian Shine. This is the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm J.C. Swangruber, and uh, I'm here today um, to talk a little bit about how the churches in our region have been impacted by the pandemic and COVID, and today I'm lucky enough we've got three pastors here with me. Uh, I've got Sean Street from the Community Church of Bristol, Mm -hmm. and I've got uh, Mark Vistel, who is a you minister to the homeless, is that
1: right? Yeah, we also a pastor of Anchor Baptist as well. Anchor Baptist, okay, where's that at, in Bristol? Uh, 611 Mary Street. Okay,
0: and Dustin Salmons. That's correct. Hey, you're you pastor in... uh Grace Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Okay, so I appreciate you guys all getting together. Um, let's just go ahead and kick it off and uh, tell us, uh, go ahead, um, Dustin, tell us a little bit about your church over in Jonesboro.
2: Uh, we are a small startup church that opened up in 2015. We uh, met up originally at the Holiday Inn in Johnson City. Uh, got enough people. We decided we wanted to go to Jonesboro. At that time, I wasn't part of the church, but uh, um, I'm, I went over about a year later and, and joined up and uh, started the live streaming uh, ministry out of that church. Didn't have the 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 capabilities or the knowledge of doing that at that point, so I, I had a little bit of knowledge, so I decided mm-hmm. to start that up and. Uh, just about a year after that, they had an opening for the youth pastor. The youth pastor stepped down, so I was asked to take that role, and, and here I am
3: now.
0: All right. And, uh, Sean, how long have you been here in Bristol? I've at been church? at a
3: Community Church at Bristol for about seven years, I guess, six or seven years. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We're a non-denominational church, and we got a little bit of everything. So I like to tell people we're the church of rejects. If you don't feel like you belong anywhere, <laughs> we got a seat for you. So
0: Now, you and I go way back. We, we oh, went to yeah. college together. It was called Clinch Valley College. Yeah. And uh, we, we got a rock and roll on with Kiss <laughs> way back when, when they got back together with the makeup, back yep. in the mid-90s. And, but, the, you know, back then, even then, you were really big in the Bible prophecy. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought, well, who would have went to the ministry and who wouldn't have. But here you are in the ministry all these years later yep. after working in the press around the area. and um, Now, so you've been here seven years. And how
1: long have you been uh, in this? I've been pastoring uh, for 11 years. I started Anchor Pipe 2013, and we were at the, in the country church for two years, four years rather, and then we've been praying for a bigger location, and church affair opened up on Mary Street, and it was just given to us. Property was, and we've been there now four years, and God's moving, God's blessing, seeing people saved, and thankful will be a pastor, banker. Now what what made you want to get into the ministry? Well, when I was 18, I called to preach. Just felt that burden, felt that conviction. And the uh, Lord called me to preach, and we've been pastoring and preaching for several many years now. And uh, but just that that call, that conviction. I mean, I know God's man knows that that burden that we all get whenever God begins a burdening heart to burden your heart to minister. And it was something I couldn't get off my soul, uh, off my heart. It was something that was there, and uh, for quite some time. Matter of fact, I fought it for two years, fought it, and just tried to reject that. And I said, Lord, I, I can't do it. And then I just had to give in. It was just one of the things I couldn't couldn't get off my heart, my mind and then we're here we are now 40 years old and still preaching so it's been a few years
0: right. yeah. um you you did something really interesting with the with the homeless ministry Sean had mentioned mm-hmm. so, but I, I we'll get back to that but I wanted to ask you uh, Dustin um you as a youth pastor here in the middle of covid I'd mentioned before we started recording that um you know with a lot of older people they're afraid to get out because of the pandemic and maybe not had their uh, uh, um shot yet to to I guess vaccinate but younger people maybe use it as a reason or excuse not to go to church because I know it wasn't the first thing I wanted to do when I woke up when I was a kid. <laughs> But uh, how has
2: COVID and then
0: things being shut down and slowly up and back up impacted what you do with the youth ministry?
2: Well, we shut down originally uh, back in March. Um, when we were, and at that time was two weeks or 15 days, you know, the, slow to slow the spread. Slow to spread. Yeah. And that was our idea. We was going to go ahead and we'll do our part. Um, of course, that turned into you know, a couple months But at that time, we could open back up We have a piece of property that we bought uh, a couple years ago uh, Not too far from our church so we decided we could have an outdoor service It spread out, no big deal And um, the problem is, you know, with, with youth You really need to have good role models and, I, and that goes back to the parents If the parents are not being good role models of going to church You can't really expect the youth to follow So for for my youth, I've got a really good set of youth. I mean, I can really count on them when I need to. But you do see some backsliding come, you know, happening. You see some kids that, well, my parents are not going, uh, you know, or or maybe my parents are not comfortable with me going yet. And I can understand that to uh, to a degree. I Mm -hmm. feel like we have to be, you know, responsible enough, you know, to make sure everybody's healthy. But at the same time, if we're looking at the science and the data. What is the data saying and what is the science say for these kids? Are they able to be around with other people? Are they more susceptible to get COVID? Mm-hmm. So during that whole time, we're checking the data. We're seeing, okay, are they, are they okay to be together? Are they okay to even meet right now? And I'm having to check with my pastor, make sure he's okay with this stuff, and then try to relay it back to the youth. And at that time, if you're not quick enough, you may lose a, a kid or two here here or there, or you may give them some wrong information. So it's a struggle for for the youth uh for the youth pastor role to to get that understanding out there hey we're trying to be as safe as possible but you still need to be ministered to right. and I'm hoping mm-hmm. you have a good enough role model that they'll step up and at least you know say hey you need to go to church also mm-hmm. and i can understand if you have a you know maybe you have grandparents and they can't come to church because it may be a little bit more dangerous for them to you know be around people and maybe you are t- you're around them some, you know some kids are raised by their grandparents yeah, right so, you know, that that's a situation you also got to look at also. And I'm very fortunate enough in the youth that I've gotten, I of in that situation, but that's always in your back of your, your mind. Who are they around a lot? Yeah. You know, and who are they going to be, you know, around, you know, when they come to church? So mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of a, an interesting situation. Do you feel that maybe where we're located out here in central
0: Appalachia, where, you know, people always joke about you know, people who are latched onto their Guns and their Bible. That you know, we, we are in a part of the country where faith has always been such a prevalent part of the culture for as you know, long as I can remember, you know, generations back. Um, do you feel that? Um, and I'll just open this up to to everybody here. That that that's um, more of a benefit to us here. That that keeps people uh, coming back. And are you hopeful that you're gonna, you're going to get more people coming back to the church as this pandemic goes away?
2: well, for our on our end, we you know we've seen the uh, the church kind of almost separate. You know you got a lot of people who are still cautious. They still want to stay home and <clears throat> right, rightfully so, we want to make sure they're okay. But you do have a couple people that, you know this is a Bible belt. you know yep. this is we should be reading our Bibles to see what the Bible says about these times. And I feel like that's kind of good for us because, in this uh, this area, you know, we we read our Bibles, we we right. listen to what the Word says, and we hope you know we prepared them enough for this kind of situation that when something like this happens, they can go right back to their Bible and say, you know, this is this is supposed to happen, maybe, and then hopefully they'll come back to the church at that time.
0: Now, Sean, you were mentioning that uh, you, you do a Facebook Live every every Sunday, mm-hmm. and that you see more people that maybe haven't even been to church
3: here, yeah. watching from Facebook than, than actually have ever been. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing, you know, maybe they're from areas where they're not, their churches aren't open, I guess. And, um, you know, I do uh, a lot of ancestry stuff on, uh, ancestry.com genealogy, mm-hmm. I guess is where I'm looking for genealogy. And so some friends I've made through that, you know, other parts of the country have been watching and, uh, people, you know, complete strangers and had a guy from Oklahoma the other day made a comment. Uh, on one of our um, oh wow okay you know one of our messages or whatever. So um it's been kinda interesting. People that I thought would be tuning in every week when they're not at church aren't and <laughs> people that I thought would never watch us are. So it's kinda it's like Dickens. <clears throat> it's the best of times and worst of times in a kinda sort of way. Yeah
0: yeah it's that's, that's kinda of what I was was curious about. It's like, you know, how bad is it? But is there like some silver lining that you're seeing are you seeing this also with your church at anchor well i
1: know going back to the youth department we were uh running like 90 kids on wednesday nights wow okay and when this thing hit we were like what do you do and so <clears throat> trying to have three classrooms with 30 plus kids per room we were like what do you do i mean we got to be safe cautious with the teachers and uh the youth and the parents and all that involved so we were like we'd like to figure out something so we, like you guys, we shut down for a couple of months and evaluate the situation, try to be safe and try to keep people, you know, from getting sick best we could. And we've not yet reopened the youth department back up for the community. I mean, folks come to Sunday's churches these churches, you know, of course, but um, the youth department on Wednesday nights, I mean, we had to take our whole church over because it got to be so big. We took all of our adults, everybody over from midweek to youth ministry. And so we just are still down. And so we would communicate weekly with our young people's family through the column all uh, feature that we got through our youth department. And we would try to make phone calls, say, hey, you know, we're praying, we're missing you guys, we're trying to get reestablished, you know, we're trying to evaluate the situation, what do we do, how do we handle it. And so they've been pretty, you know, uh, thankful that we've been thinking about their health, you know, as kids. Um, yeah. um, you know, talk, <clears throat> you,
0: you, you're all very aware of you know, the health aspect. Um, but the other part of the aspect that I wanted, I had one of our uh, listeners ask, uh, to me ask, was that um, given the, uh, you know, the other part of the, the other part of the equation is people's spiritual health. And how are you getting around other than just, you know, Facebook lives? How are you uh, how are you getting around to, I guess, being more proactive about people's spiritual health, especially when you see a drop off of? People showing mm-hmm. up at church And some like you said drop off That you expected to be there on Facebook mm-hmm. But aren't there Yeah, it.
3: That's one thing that <clears throat> I, I've always taken an interest In the fact that Even though this is the Bible Belt We have the highest suicide rate in the country <clears throat> During normal times yeah. So that was always in the back of my mind And um, uh, When you cut someone off from Especially the church but your daily routine You're going to have that depression sink in, no matter what it is.
0: And with lockdowns, we've right. seen tons of that. Yeah, yeah.
3: and so uh, that—that's one thing that I was, I was always wanting to check into to make sure everybody's still sane, I guess, for lack of a better term. And then, um, you know, we talked about the spiritual health. That was my biggest concern because we would, I guess, when the governor said uh, in Tennessee that you could have, I think it was down to ten people. I think maybe they start off ten. Yeah. yeah. So we had. <clears throat> about seven or eight. And it was always in the back of my head, you know, what if someone who doesn't know God shows up one day and I got the doors locked? You know, what what am I going to do? So there's that aspect of it that I'm still trying to reach unchurched people and then trying to make sure everybody in the church, you know, hey, Frank, haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, you know, been praying for you, all that good stuff, reaching out to everybody. It's been one of the busiest times that I've ever known. No person. Okay. And I'll add on to that, you know, with that whole scenario, what do you do
2: when you have a lost person show up to your door? I mean, the governor puts out an order and says, you can only have so many people attend mm-hmm. in your building. But for us, we're we're told to spread the message. We're told to, you know, invite anyone in. We're, you know, in the Bible, it tells us to do that. What do we do? Do we close the door on them say, hey, sorry, we have 10 people. Mm-hmm. You cannot come cut. in. That, <clears throat> that's not who we are. That's right. not what we're
3: supposed to do. Thankfully, in a, in a weird sort of way, we were blessed because the church that I pastor of, uh, it was really, really big at one point. And then over the years, it's, you know, splits and everything else. And so when I got here, they had a total of 12 people. <laughs> so we're kind of blessed in the sense that we can social distance and still have church and, you know, meet all those requirements. Because we've got a balcony and, you know, we can yeah. we can really spread out. So we're, you know, where you're talking about you had I don't want to use the phrase too many, but you had too many people. Right. And I like have too much space. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of, it's, it's a weird sort of blessing for us in that regard. Yeah. And Dustin, what you mentioned
0: um, mm-hmm. actually brought me to another question that another listener had asked. And I, I jotted this down. How has this this period, this COVID impacted people's choice to accept salvation? And then how many are actually getting saved? Because people may more likely to not come because of this but are you are you still seeing people that are stepping forward to get saved that are actually
2: seeking salvation well look you know our whole role is to go spread the message and i feel like we have we had a lot of resources before covid to to do that and there was a lot of resources for people to come in and to accept jesus right and with this COVID, that put us in a in a little bit of a tight spot, you know. Facebook Live, YouTube, whatever you want to do for the the social media scenario, we're only one sided in that. Unless we go on there and we actually, you know, target every single person that goes on them, ask them how they're doing, ask them how you know they they reacted to the message. We don't see them walk the aisle. We right. don't know what that other side is. So if we're on social media only. That's a one. That's an ended question. You know, we, don't have, no we idea. have no idea. You do know? you have
0: the resources to follow up? Into vi- and That's another question that I was having. That I, I wanted to ask Sean is like, you know, you, you see all these people on social media that you don't know, or even the flock that you've had here that you haven't seen in a while. How taxing is it on you to just to pick up the phone and call these folks? Because there may be so many where people have left messages on the website. Is it even feasible to? you know as a as just an individual pastor to reach out to that many people
1: well i tell you what we do uh we got what we call a critical care team and when we have a member absent for two weeks we make a phone call each man of the men we have four men in that category and they reach out to each individual member within that category that missed two weeks of service check in hey are you sick uh you got an issue what's going on Can we'll be a health assistance to that seemed to be helped a lot during this time because we got a lot of older folks that just ain't getting out and so we uh we make phone calls and check on them individually and uh same as facebook i think we we, we check that and when there's a question asked about something we respond quickly to the message that possibly can we you know try to make phone contact or we'll meet at the church sit on discuss and those have been resources that we've had to use um, you know, as we all mentioned, we got, I think our churches are down probably 50% in, in people coming. And so I just think it's important that we're there. Whether you've got two or you've got 2,000, you've got to be consistent in what God's called you to do. And we determined that when this thing hit, we were, you know, we were careful. We went outside for four weeks, had services outside. Uh, people were coming in that didn't come to church. I mean, they would drive by and stop in, which was a great, which was a great thing. But we've seen the importance of being in the local church when we possibly could. So we opened up, and we come in and, you know, safe as we can and think it's important to respond to everything that's asked of the church and just be consistent doing what God's called to do. I
3: think it's really frustrating, too, because I guess it's human nature. Like, if I call you, I haven't seen you, in, you know, you haven't been in church three weeks, I'll call you, hey, how's it going? Oh, okay, I'm good. <laughs> well, I know you're not, Yeah, <laughs> but you would be more apt. Tell me what's going on if we're talking in person as opposed to over the phone. yeah. And that, that can get kind of frustrating, I guess. And, and really,
2: if you think about it, it only takes two weeks to create a new habit. So if they're already comfortable and not attending church or not answering that phone, then you're going to have to start improvising with other means. Let's go knock on doors. Well, then there you go. And that you're entering someone else's space. Yeah. You know, you got to be careful with that scenario, too. So it's it's an interesting predicament we're in now. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy dynamic and uh, this new normal
0: hopefully is not going to be normal for much longer. But uh, Mark, I want to ask you though, um, you do uh, work with homeless.
1: Yeah, back when we got first started in 2013, uh, our first missionary, which is Denny Mitchell, he's a local missionary to the homeless and a uh, tremendous family. I mean, they're, they, they are his family. They go and sit down on the railroad tracks, bridges, woods. He walks to them. And they hang out, talk, take supplies to them. And so back in around April this year, of last year, rather, the city contacted me and said, hey, we know you guys got showers, got gym, you got room to do a resource clinic. So we began to pray about it and, and discuss it uh, with Brother Denny. And he's like, well, we've got to be careful because the city wants to sort of run this because of they want to, you know, give us money and give us resources. And they want to basically operate the mission. And so our mindset and their mindset was different. We couldn't allow the money to, to direct our mission for our mission. And so we decided not to get involved with the city. And we had churches to be involved with uh, resources like toothpaste, toothbrushes, deodorant, shampoos, and all that. And so we, we cranked it off in April. And now we are over, over 100 meals a day. And they come in and they shower. They get preached to every, every day. Uh, they get loved on, they get supplies, they get uh, hopefully a job, we got, we got employers coming in holding interviews now with those we feel like it's to go to the next level and we've created great friendship we've seen many saved in this thing that come to church uh, they've been just it's been a great ministry and so we have you know, local churches and businesses you know, joined up with the church and giving resources that we need um, on a weekly basis, because said like you, you feed 65 to 100 meals a day uh, two days a week right now um, that it, it takes a lot of things, people, prayers, it takes, uh, uh you know, resources to keep it going. So, uh, it's, it's been a great thing. I mean, it's, uh, the city was, um, actually opened up, uh, the Haven of Rest down there and that didn't work out too well. And they come in, they were bombarded by like these doctors. They was like in these suits and these people were just like we were, they're just homeless people. And they kind of felt, you know, sort of just, they didn't fit in. And so they didn't show up and they came to the mission. And so we just cranked it off and God's blessed that. And we just, now we are a year later. Uh, basically, well, going on a year later, uh, going to three days a week, eventually five days a week. They we got staff on board and they got computers sent in now to come in. And it's growing and doing, doing, it's doing real well.
0: Which brings me to another question a good segue with what you're talking about with the, you know, needing the finances to do these things. Uh, How has financial support been for the churches? Has it increased or has it dropped during this time period? Well, I'll be
1: honest to you. Um, When this first came about in April, my men, we met and we discussed about the importance of continuing to be faithful tithing, that the bills keep coming every month. And we was like, you know, God, it's very important to be consistent in our giving. So um, we, as a pastor, I felt the burden to write a letter up, type a letter up on computer, and uh, send out to my membership of the church, discuss what we're going to do, you know, safety protocols and all that. And discuss the importance of giving. The bills come in. I know they know I don't preach on tithing all the time. They see the consistency and the importance of giving. And so, uh, matter of fact, they began to double their giving. And I was totally shocked. And they were mailing their tithing in. They were dropping by the church mailbox, putting tithing in. And we saw our tithing actually double. And I was like, wow, I mean, God is really supplying the needs and that was on the outside now we got back on the inside we're back down about where we're at i think they begin to see the hey we may lose a church we don't know what's going to happen we better be faithful here and so they gave but they're still giving of course but they're not you know not pre-covid right uh well i guess say first of covid giving when we're outside but um but it's still i think they see the importance of giving uh because you know the church has still got you know basic light bills and fuel bill for the van and all that. So if we don't get that resource, then we can't reach out like they think we need to be done.
0: And I think that's probably one of the benefits of being in such a place where faith has always been so important in Appalachia. Because mm-hmm. if you watch the news, you see how many churches nationwide have actually had to close up their doors. Yeah, It's and
2: 80% that will end up closing their doors after this is all said and done.
3: 80% of the churches in, the country.
2: in this country will close
3: their doors for good. I think a lot of people kind of what Mark was saying, don't take that into consideration. They don't necessarily... Because of pe- because of all the controversies in the 80s with the televangelists, um, People like, <laughs> a lot of people are like, well, church is just after money, and yeah. it's where the preacher's Mercedes-Benz and blah, 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 which, you know, if you saw my portable cavalier, you know that's not the case here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't really... It, it it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff to keep the power gone, to keep the water running, and you know, we're we're lucky here at my church, we're blessed at my church, that the church owns the property. Like it was all you know, it was paid off before I got here. And you got churches that are still paying the mortgage, you know, and that's one of the reasons why they're going you know, they're going belly up. You know, uh, people have the mindset, I'll put my tithing in when I go back. Well, the, the insurance was due last week. <laughs> You know, yeah, so we a have no idea when we're
2: going to go back right, either. Like right. I mean, we've opened our church back up, but when are we going to go back? Where we say we're well, everything's all good, you know? And mm-hmm. a lot of people are waiting for that. Okay, hey, everything's all good. You can go back to church now. Well, that may not come this year. That mm-hmm. may not come next year. Yeah. And if they wait that long, that's when churches are going to close down.
1: Yeah. I, I think people got apathetic. I think they've become comfortable in what they are sitting at the house watching by Facebook. It's a great tool. I don't condemn it. I think yeah. it's a great tool, but it doesn't replace the local church. Amen. And what I tell my people is, is, that we need the church. I need you and you need me. I think the fellowship strengthens the church. And sadly, some people don't see that. They say, well, I can serve God at the house. That's not biblical at all. We got to be around together as a church, as a body. And, and, you know, we just try to, we preach to my people, you know, we can't let our fear overtake our faith. And a lot of people's let that happen. And we just can't do that. And I'm afraid that the young converts, if they don't see those that's been saved for a while, be consistent in this fearful time, we can't teach them to be also be steadfast during this time. Yeah. That's, and it's very important.
0: <clears throat> they have, uh, from the pulpit, has any of your messages had to change during this time? I know you could talk about consistency. Yeah. With the message, but but so many people that have had depression and just like so many personal problems, <clears> it seems, people out of work and you know, all the problems that have come along with this. Have you seen the messages that you would normally do have to change from the pulpit to meet the needs of, of those that are, whether they're here
2: or at home? I mean, uh, my message has been clear from the get-go on everything. I mean, we've seen this stuff. We knew this was going to happen eventually. It clearly states in the Bible. So if we're prepared, and you know, there's no need to change your messaging up. Do we hark on some things a little bit more now? Maybe, especially fear. Uh, tithe is, is pretty important right now. Uh, and to your point, you know, I think I think Facebook is really hindrance in that point because you see posts constantly during COVID saying the church is not a building. Well the church is the body. So it doesn't matter if we stay home, right? Yeah, we could just, and That's misquoted yeah. because yeah, the church mm-hmm. is is the body, but you cannot have an arm sitting at the house and the left legs in Florida and the you know, you can't have all these members just everywhere else. They have to be together to work together to move the church forward. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't kind of let it them know, it are the body. Like, we're the yeah, body. yeah you have, have to you have to hold up, have the whole body together and that's Really true for, you know, the full church, the the global church. We have to be all together in this, too. I mean, we got to make sure the, the congregations know you have to be together. You can't be sitting at home, you
3: know, and not doing your part. You have to work together. It so, was kind of funny for us that I went back and looked at it at the end of 2019 going into 2020, I had all these messages on fear, like, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And then COVID hit, and I went, oh, I see what you did there, God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it was kind of like a preemptive little thing there. And kind of like what he was saying, you'll you'll steer towards certain areas more. But um, I've noticed, like, the ones that are here just have a deeper hunger to want to know more, no matter what you're talking about. It's just like we need we need more, we need more, we need more. It's like, so, you know, that's why I said it's kind of the worst of times and best of times. Like when you're in the pulpit on Sunday and you see this hunger for people, like tell me more to get me through the week. You know, you know that's kind of a good thing.
1: I'll tell you there, it's been about a whole two weeks back now um, as a pastor. Um, when you don't see your people there, it's a burden. And we were praying about the New Year vision and God began to burden me about we got to catch a fresh glimpse of those dying without Christ and going to hell. I preached on Luke 16, uh, pretty pr- pretty heavy that morning, and explained to the church that we've got, hey, I'm saved, but maybe they're not saved. And we got to get back that burden for those that's not saved. And if we could catch a glimpse of those in hell, that would create a burden with God's people. And the altar was packed that morning. And, I mean, people was really seeking God's word. I'm sorry I forgot about the lost man. And I'm afraid that we, as fearful time we're in now, hey, I'm fine, I'm saved. If the Lord comes, I'm, I'm fine, I'm going to heaven. But the next door neighbor isn't saved. And we're over here every Sunday preaching, hey, we're saved, but there's no concern for the next door neighbor. And if the church would get back to realizing, hey, there are people dying, going to hell. We got to get a burden back. Yeah. We got to be a Nehemiah again. And, and when I preached that, I mean, they really was like, wow man we need to get this burden back and, and, and see that folks are dying it's real and and i feel like that really is a turning point in our services this year is that they let's what's let's, let's create that fresh vision generate that fresh burden from some from the sin of those dying without the lord and that really made a difference i think so far the last few weeks yeah,
0: it's pretty fascinating you know just to hear um you have the, some of the struggles from the churches and from what you guys see in the pulpit uh, you know, week after week. I, one of the things, that I, and I, you know, I've asked uh, a few of this, is how, I guess, personally stressful has it been on you individually as more and more people? Like you say, the best of times and worst of times. How exhausting is it at this point? I mean, uh, is it more exhausting and taxing and stressful on you than pre-COVID?
1: I think so to the point because I those I've seen that were really starting to really take root um, as a young convert has allowed this situation to make them do a, a backstill like what you mentioned. Um, you know, to look up there and see the choir not there, I mean, it's like shattering to a pastor to see that. Because some people, the singing is really like the, the, the concept of the service. Um, and then the civil thing and the abnormal, I mean, no, no ushers, no, no tithing through the halls. It's like bring your tithe to the Lord, which has been a good thing. Um, but it has been because it's hard to change people. They get in a routine. And we talked about, you know, going back to some normal things. And I don't think we, I think as a pastor, my role is to protect my people. But at the same time, I can't get them too far off course because sheep will scatter. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult to make that right decision. Um, so I try my best to let my men, we meet and we discuss direction and what's the best way to take it. What do you think? We make phone calls and we try to make the best decision we can for the flock in general. Um, but for me, it's been a trying time, you know, to keep my people together and, and seeing that, hey, you know, we miss you, man. Come back where you, you need to be here. It's it's definitely got me praying more. I'm sure every pastor, you've got to see that.
3: How about um, you, Sean? Same. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, for me, it's <laughs> the trying part has been not government mandates or unchurched people condemning you. It's the other Christians that like are second-guessing everything you do, which as a pastor, that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. But when you add it to the point of you know you're trying to kill Grandpa, no, I'm not, you know, and uh, so that that's that's probably bothered me more than anything is is people that you know um, I consider fellow believers, great friends for years and years and years, and now it's like you know everything you do is wrong, and so that 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 that's my personal struggle, I guess. I think a lot of these things, and I'll just I'll just toss this
0: out here because it's the first thing popping in my head, um, has something to do with the political divide in this country. And uh, like you said, a lot, of, a lot of times you're trying to hurt grandpa, but like like we were talking about earlier, you know, and uh, and I think Dustin, you'd mentioned this was that how you know you, you have to watch out for the health of a person's soul, and it's a fine line. And uh, given this, the, the Uh, split in the culture. We don't really have it so much here in central Appalachia, but nationwide. um, Do you think maybe that's one of the reasons that you'll see 80% of the churches fold up and uh, close their doors permanent? Well,
2: I mean, to to their point also, you know, a lot of what the congregation sometimes don't realize is how much this really weighs on pastors before this and now during this. And I mean, if we look at California compared to where we're right now, California, there's pastors being, you know, threatened to go to, you know, being put in jail. There's cops uh, barring driveways from, you know, to the church. They're not allowed to even attend church. We've yeah. seen people have, have their license plates
0: taken down and harassed for being in a parking lot church service early, early on in places like Mississippi and Kentucky. You know, like no.
2: MacArthur out there, he, the yeah. city revoked yeah. his parking lot across the, from the church I mean, I think we have a little bit of a—not uh, as big of a fight that way, but, I mean, to your point, Sean, I mean, uh, well, me and my pastor talked about this. What we were afraid of is, is Christian versus Christian, yeah. you know, going at each other's throat and second-guessing the pastor's every mo- movement on this. And, and it really just—it falls on the pastor to decide, you know, what's best for the congregation and what's best for his sheep, and and he's, he's doing this in, in everybody's best interest. I mean, he's not trying to hurt anybody and he's trying to, you know, focus on what all the data says and what the politics are saying. You know, he's also afraid, well, you know, if someone shows up in our church that has COVID and there's 20 people at my church that get it because that person showed up, are they going to come after me because we've had church services instead of shutting down? Like they asked us to shut down. I mean, it's really weighing on a lot of pastors mm. out there. And, and I ask anybody listening listen to this, please pray for your pastor. Yeah, he is. I, I mean, I've, I've witnessed it also, you know, even with doing these live streams. I'm up all night long putting these live streams up for the next day's service and stuff. We are losing sleep, making, you know, thinking about these, uh, that our congreg- you know, congregants were thinking about the people in the church, the lost people out there. You know, before this, you know, it wasn't no cakewalk but it is a lot more stressful now than, than it was beforehand.
3: Yeah. And I don't mean, you know, as pastors, you guys know, like if someone's got input an idea or something, I want to hear it, you know, but whether it's in the church or in Walmart or whatever, it seems like our society is scream first, ask questions later. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, if, if you do think your pastor is doing something a little that he shouldn't be, he, he shouldn't be doing like go up and, calmly say, hey, brother, have you considered doing XYZ instead of like, you're trying to kill grandpa. Or call him an idiot in front of 50,000 people on Facebook. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, because like you, you know, the, the best of times and worst, I mean,
0: Facebook may be good to reach an audience, but at the same time, it's a it's a mouthpiece for people who want to divide an audience too.
2: Yeah. And I promise you right uh-huh. now, every pastor out there with that's going through this is not doing this off of a whim. They are trying their best to figure out what's best for their congregation.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I can talk about the political spectrum part. Of, I mean, I do feel like that the political left has mm-hmm. has politicized the virus to 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 silence the local church. Uh, we see that California was a great example. Jack Treeber, a great friend of mine, that I know decently, not real well, but I know of Jack Treiber, five thousand dollars to sing a song, and there was and they were fine, ten thousand per service, and uh, which lets me know that the left has tried to silence the church. Mm-hmm. And I made decision you know, people is searching for hope. Young people are, are finding hope in drugs and things like that or trying to. And we got the hope. The gospel message is the hope of all hope. And so as a pastor, I see the importance of being there at the church, preaching the truth and the gospel. That's hope. The gospel message is hope. And so uh, we we're just, you know, made a determination that, you know, if they don't like it, this is God's called the church to be the lighthouse, not the government. And we're going to be in our place. And if they don't like that, we're sorry, but we are God's man. We got to be there, love people. And so that's been my mindset. I, I, I want to be, you know, I want to be, you know, have keep a good testimony. I want to do things right and try to do things like I'm supposed to be done. But I can't let anyone stop the message going forward. We can't do that.
2: And, and to your point, I mean, my pastor just preached on this this past Sunday, I don't care if you you know like Trump or if you like Biden or if you like whoever. If you, I didn't have hope in Trump. I didn't. Ha, I don't have hope in Biden. I have hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I feel like the political left, they're like, well, let's have hope in government, half hope in Biden. No, half hope in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because after all said and done, if we're still in coronavirus, you know, twenty twenty five, whatever. You, you, you can't have hope in the government. We've already seen that. The only hope that you can have is in Jesus Christ. Because when it's all said and done, no one's getting out of this world alive, and you're gonna have to answer to your maker eventually. And if you didn't have hope with them here, it's too late.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys answering these questions that you know, taken from some listeners, and you know, it's it's really kind of eye opening what you guys have experienced from that side of the pulpit, and uh, you know, from you know, and I've talked to plenty of people who. Watch on Facebook. I'm one of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> who so watches on Facebook. And uh, you know, what I, I guess just to kind of close it off, let's just go around the table. i give you guys each a you know closing thought. Maybe mention your churches or your websites, things like that, just so that those that are listening can follow you guys uh, if they want to. Uh, let's go ahead and start with you, Dustin.
2: Well, I mean, I appreciate this. This is is, is very important to me. Yeah. Uh, getting pastors, uh, you know, around the table and letting people know. Um, that there's a place to go there's you know if i you know for me i don't care if you attend my church i hope you attend church i hope you get that gospel message i hope you know jesus christ is your lord and savior and whether you're attending a bounding grace baptist church or one of these guys churches i hope that's what you find and i hope right now when you're going through this if you're if you're lost and you're not saved you know who that is you know who that person is that's can save you that's jesus christ um, you know, if, you, if you're more welcome to come out to Bound and Grace Baptist Church, we are always looking for more people to join a church. 1025 Depot Street in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Uh, we have live stream. We just went live, uh, multiple streaming now to uh, Facebook, YouTube, our website, Binding Grace Baptist Church.com. And I think we've now branched into Twitch. We're going to try get to get the gamer community also, <laughs> which we had too this past Sunday. So it was actually kind of interesting. Um, but my main concern is and I hope you attend our church, but I hope you find Jesus and I hope you attend church and get with that church body because I know what it was like to be without being in that church body for Absolutely, a long time. Yeah. And I was lost. I mean, I was lost without having that community and it's the best community you can get into
3: is that church body. Yeah. What, what about you, Sean? Uh, yeah. Like, what well, he was saying, uh, you know, we're located on Jonesboro road community church at Bristol. Um, you know, we love to come by and, you know, kick the tires, so to speak. And, you know, if our church isn't the church for you, there's absolutely one out there. I know that um, God was on the throne long before Trump or Biden or COVID. and He's going to be there long after this is over with. And, you know, that's one thing, like, you know, Dustin said, one of the things that I always say, you're not going to get out of this life, this life alive. You're just not. And it doesn't matter if you go out rich poor virus got hit by a truck you're going to answer for you're going to you know stand before your maker one day and that covering blood of jesus christ is what he's going to look at and uh, you know just want everybody out there to know we love them uh hope you find a church that that you know suits you and you know facebook is great and uh when when you get the all clear get inside a building i mean you can watch it like a car race on tv and it's great, but being there with the smells and the sounds and everything just makes it so much greater. And church is that multiplied by a hundred times, I think. So, uh, and, and here they might even learn a little
1: bit about dirt trackers. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> God made man out of dirt.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Marcus.
1: Well, I, I appreciate uh, this opportunity as well. I, you know, this, I think it's what we need to be see done more is, is discuss and talk and, and come together, I think regardless of denomination jesus is lord of all denominations so i think that's we got to set that aside for, for a few moments and and talk you know and then let people know hey we're here as a church we're here for you we're rooting you on and you know i do want to ask uh, the prayer as well from you guys that um i've got a burden for the local church and as we talked about around the table that uh we're seeing the decline of people i mean i want the people back and so we're going to have a back to church rally in March and uh, we're actually finalizing that now with preachers and singers and uh, we're hoping to get not only our church but you men as well and other churches to come in and come together and for the back back to church rally and uh, to make a cry out to the Lord and, and you know we want people to come and and uh, to get that refreshment, that revival spirit back in the local church again. I think we need that. I think God's men need that tonight. We need that uh, that refreshing spirit. To, to, we need that in a desperate way. And uh, so we do invite everybody out to Anchor Baptist Church. We're at 608 West Mary Street in Bristol, Virginia. And uh, we're everybody to somebody. And we don't matter matter what you drive, where you live at where you're somebody. you got spirit, you got soul, and we want uh, you to come and experience what God can do. Well, I certainly appreciate
0: you guys uh, coming out here and talking to me tonight about this. Um, you know, if anybody that's listening, if you have any questions for any of the pastors, you're welcome to touch base with us on uh, Facebook.com/slash/supportAppalachia. Uh, our uh, podcast is also it's on Podbean, and we post our link up online. But you'll uh, you'll also find us on iTunes and Spotify. So make sure you subscribe. And uh, maybe at some point again, as things change and kind of progress, we can get together again and. Maybe get some better progress reports on uh, what's going on. But uh, if you have any questions for any of the pastors and you want to contact us, we'll pass it along to them. Uh, Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Appalachian Shine, and we'll see you down the road.